Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Well, happy Sunday, Antioch. It is so good to be with you. Hey, little reminder, I know you've probably seen it on the announcements, you've seen it on your email, uh, but tonight it's going down at our South Campus. Don't think about it, be about it. Worship night is happening. It's going to be a rich time together. Um, and, and look, I just want to say, like, it is a good time to be alive. Can I just say that? Like, I just want to declare that over the chaos. Uh, do you believe with me that in the midst of all of the crazy, that there's a God that can make beauty come out of ashes? Because I absolutely do. And, and I do want to just take a minute also and just thank all of you for leaning in with us over these crazy few months. I mean, meeting together has looked different. Uh, That's an understatement. Uh, But I just want to say the church has not and will not ever close for business. We have been believing, moving forward, praying big, and believing that God wants to invade earth, even when it's been looking a little bit different. Now, that being said... We're coming back together. That's right. Maybe you heard this. Maybe you read your email. You probably didn't. That's okay. Sunday, September 13th, that is next week at our South Campus, we will be meeting on Sunday morning. Now, it's going to be a little bit stripped down, and that's all good because we're going to be rebuilding some of our teams, but we're okay with that. We hope that you are okay with that as well. And due to some AISD stuff that is out of our control, we will just be at our South Campus from the 13th through the 27th. But on October 4th, we will be meeting at a North Location, all right? We just don't know for sure where that's going to be, but it will be somewhere. Now, our services will still be available online. That's not going away. Um, and, and thank you for being flexible with us as we are trying to make all of this work. And, and, and man, just for your support and the way that you guys, so many of you have reached out uh, to me and to our team and, and just been so overly encouraging uh, as we've been trying to navigate our way forward uh, through the chaos. So thank you so much for that. We, we couldn't do it and really don't want to do it uh, without you guys. We're so excited uh, to see everybody together again. So next week, next week uh, it is on. Now, last week, Uh, we started a new series that we're calling Tone. And and we really looked at the fact that we say more than what we say. And our tone matters just as much as our message, right? 1 Corinthians 13 says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol, all right? Like even if I say the right things, but if I say them in the wrong way, it will affect what you hear me 
say, even if I say the right things and I say them in the wrong way, or you know what you could say, if I say them with the wrong spirit, it doesn't lead to clarity, it just leads to chaos. And, 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 and I just wanna say that what we say and how we say what we say shapes what people hear us say. Galatians 5 verse 22 is one of the foundation scriptures throughout these weeks. It says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love. It's joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. When God gets in us and His Spirit comes on us, it changes everything about us, right? And this is echoed in Romans 12, verse 2, when Paul, the writer of Romans, tells us to don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect Will And as Jesus' people, through the power of the Holy Spirit, living and moving in and through our lives, everything that we say, everything that we do should reflect the truth that we have been changed, that we've been transformed, made new by who Jesus is, which led us to the big question that we really tackled last week together. And that's this, is the tone that we're taking towards one another as we're engaging in the issues of the day, conforming to the tones of the world or reflecting the tones of heaven? Because again, we can say the right thing in the wrong way and it will affect what people hear us say. Now, in the same vein, the question that I want us to lean into in our time today really builds on this, and it is this. Are we internally affected by external chaos? Are we internally affected by external chaos? chaos, or we could say it this way, is what's happening around us shaping what's happening in us. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 says this, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you for God will never, can I say that again? God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. The title of my message today is, Are You Freaking Out? Are you freaking out? All right, you ready? Let's pray. 
Jesus, we need you to come and to invade us and, and overwhelm us, God, in every living room and every watch party that's happening right now. We're asking that your presence would be a thick blanket in that place, that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have in store for us today, Lord. We want to be those who hear your word and then turn, become those who do your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, now, have, have you done something uh, or said something that you wish that after you did it or after you said it, that, that, the, that the real world had a rewind button? Okay, like for me, I've done this quite a few times. Like, like the one time, this is a real story, that I sent a flirty text to a random college student instead of my wife. Yes, that, that really happened. And yes, it still feels very awkward. But another one, was Liz and I were out with our kids, and, and this is when we lived in Waco. This was a few years ago. And, and, and we were just having a little family night, and we were going out for some hot chocolate and some laughs. Now, in the Griffin house, family time is a big deal. Like, we love being together. We love playing the games together. We love doing these kind of random family nights. And, 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 and we're kind of hanging out, having a good time. And I couldn't help but notice that there was a table of people and I could tell that they were talking about us. Uh, you know, like, you know, sometimes uh, that you can just like feel people's eyes on you. So I can feel that these people are talking about us. Now, now I was working at Antioch in Waco, which is a really big church in a pretty small town. And, and there's something that happens when you work at a big church in a small town. There are what I like to refer to seasons of rumors. And, and we found ourselves in a season of rumor where we were hearing things that were being said about us on Baylor's campus, where as a college staff, we're like, this is so crazy. This is so far from the truth. We don't even know where this stuff is coming from. Like, what is this even based on? It was so left field. All right. So in my mind, notice, notice. Okay. I have no, I did not hear these people say anything. I just assumed that these people were talking about us because I thought I felt their eyes on us. And in my mind, because of the external things that were happening around me, of the seasons of rumors that I was in the middle of, in my mind, for no reason, I decided that they were the ones that were starting the rumors. And that in that moment, that they were looking at me and they were judging me. They were talking bad about my family and they were saying bad stuff about the place that I worked, okay? So, you know what I did? I took the fight to Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Pray for me. I did the very thing I preached against yesterday. All right, that's if you felt like I had authority yesterday, it's because I've walked through it, okay? I took the fight to Twitter. And look, I hate this, but this is exactly what I tweeted. It says this. I tweeted this, okay? Nothing like catching people talking about you. Don't be passive. Passive is weak. Now, can we just think about the irony of that? Just real quick. I said, don't be passive. Passive is weak. I just was the most passive person in the world by taking my fight to Twitter. I mean, I, I can't even believe I did this. And you know what? It felt real good. It felt real good for about 30 minutes. 
And then I got a direct message. Now, here's the deal. We did catch them talking about us. But it wasn't because they were talking bad about us. No, 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 no. They happened to be like super inspired by our family. And they were trying to figure out if they wanted to come and interrupt our family night to meet us or just to kind of lead, let us just kind of have a night to ourselves, and, and so they were in turmoil. And of course, they followed me on Twitter. And when they saw the tweet come up, they were like, oh my gosh, that was us. We were the ones that were looking at them. Oh, and so they respond to me and they, were, they say, this is what they say because they were godlier than me. They were like, we're sorry we offended you. Like, we just wanted to meet you. Like, and we didn't want to bother you. We didn't know what to do. We're so sorry that you got offended. And I'm like, J.D., you are a moron, you know? So immediately I go into recovery mode, right? I'm like, I got to fix it. So I like message him back. I give him my number. I'm like, look, you guys can come over for dinner. We love you. We think you're amazing. Right, like, it's like, and you sound like the whole time that I'm trying to fix what was broken, I'm going like, What? were you thinking? And you know what I was thinking? I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking because when what is happening around you begins to influence what you're feeling inside of you, you begin to do things that don't make any sense. You begin to think things that don't make any sense. You begin to say things that don't make any sense. And the decisions we make from that place will not lead us anywhere but into more chaos. And if you're a note taker, you know I love you. And I can't wait to see you on Sunday. But, you, but it, I want, this is your moment. I want you to write this down. As a follower of Jesus, we set the tone. We are not affected by the tone. As a follower of Jesus, we set the tone. We are not affected by the tone, meaning that what Jesus has done in us gives us authority to shape the atmosphere around us, not to be shaped by the atmosphere around us. In your Bible, I want you to jump with me to Matthew 8. We're going to be in verse 23. In this story, Jesus and his disciples, they, they find themselves in a situation where what was happening around them affected what was happening inside of them in very different ways. It says this in verse 23, they all, speaking of Jesus and his disciples, got into a boat, began to cross over to the other side of the lake, and Jesus exhausted fell asleep. And suddenly, a violent storm developed and the waves so high, the boat was about to be swamped. Yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly. The disciples woke him up saying, save us, Lord. We're going to die. But Jesus reprimanded them. Why are you gripped with fear? Why are you gripped with fear? Where is your 
faith. Man, there's been so many times over the past couple of months where I found myself coming back to this story, this moment in Matthew 8. Like, not only is the question that Jesus asked his disciples a good one for us to ask ourselves in these days, why are we gripped with fear? But it also points us to what it looks like when what's happening around us begins to shape what we are feeling in us. I don't know if you've noticed this, but we've been in a season of sudden violent storms. We are in a season right now in our nation, really in the world of sudden violent storms. The storms have kicked up quickly and they have kicked up violently. And it's hard to think that just five short months ago, our lives looked nothing like they look now. Not just in the wake of all that has changed and happened because of COVID, but the way that we talk to each other as a nation looks nothing like it looks now. Yeah, things were not perfect. There was for sure unrest. There was division. But the waves over the past few months have gotten bigger. The storm that is raging in our culture is scarier. And the question for us is, is what is happening around us impacting what's happening in us? Is the tone of the day affecting us or are we affecting it? And in Matthew 8, notice that Jesus was experiencing the same storm that was overwhelming his disciples in a very different way. Jesus was not affected on the inside by the chaos that was happening on the outside. It was not that the storm was not as bad as the disciples perceived it to be. No, it was a horrible storm. It was a terrifying storm. The waves were huge. The threat was real. Look, these dudes, most of these guys that were freaking out, spent their life before they were disciples on the water as fishermen. They knew when a storm was sketchy. They thought they were going to die. This storm was overwhelming, but their response to the storm reflected that they had lost sight in the chaos that in Jesus, they set the tone and they're not affected by the tone of what's happening around me. Hear me, choosing peace has nothing to do with the severity of the storm that we're facing and everything to do with the spirit that we're conforming to. Choosing peace has nothing to do with the severity of the storm that we're facing and everything to do with the spirit that we're conforming to. Again, Romans 12, verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a way that the world is affected by storms that are happening in our lives. And our way as follower of, followers of Jesus should look nothing like that way. God will never, can I say that again? God will never give you a spirit of fear. But the Holy Spirit, who gives you mighty power, love, 
and self-control. Matthew 8 makes this so clear for us as Jesus is sleeping as the disciples are freaking. Jesus is sleeping and the disciples are freaking. They're experiencing the same storm in dramatically different ways. You see, we only feel out of control when we don't trust what's in control. We, we only feel out of control when we don't trust what's in control. And, and some of us are feeling fear in ways that we haven't before. Some of us are dealing with fear about the future in ways that up to this point, like we, we would have said like, man, that's not my deal. Fear is not my issue. I got a lot of other issues, but fear is not one of my issues. And it's because we're dealing with things now that we haven't dealt with bef before because the force of the storm we're facing right now is challenging our understanding of who is really in control. Because if we're honest, we do things on the daily that are sketchy, that are crazy. We do things every day that are so sketchy and so crazy, but they don't feel like that. They don't feel sketchy. They don't feel crazy. They don't feel fearful because our experience in life has taught us we have nothing to worry about because it's what? Under control. I mean, have you ever thought about how crazy it is that we drive on bridges? Sometimes I'll be on an overpass and I'll look down. I'm like, this is crazy. Like I'm hundreds of feet above concrete driving a car that weighs thousands of pounds. And I got on that overpass like it was nothing. And then I looked down and I'm like, this is something. <laughs> like, like, but it, it doesn't feel crazy because we've done it so many times. That we're like, you know what, this is under control because we only feel out of control when we don't trust what is in control, you know. And, and, and look, I just want to say, I'm thankful for bridges. Bridges have like made it possible for us to go places that before bridges existed, it was really hard for us to get to those places. Like bridges are absolutely critical for us to get where we need to go. And bridge design has come a long way. Can I just say that? Like bridge design has come a long way. You guys want a little bridge history? Can I just take us into a little history of bridges here? Because this, the, I found this very fascinating that in the 1930s was like a bridge renaissance. Bridge designs in the 30s became very extravagant and different because up to that point, Bridges were very simple and their construction was very simple. They, they, they really only had to do two things. They had to be strong enough to hold up the weight that was going across them. Right now, I'm going to butcher this. I'm not an engineer, okay? I'm not going to pretend to be an engineer. And all the engineers in the house, and I know we've got a bunch of people that are engineers that go to this church, and I know you're going to write me emails that I absolutely butchered the fact of, of how bridges work. But this is what I learned, okay? This is my simple approach to what bridges work because they can support the weight that is on them against the force that's pulling down on them. 
And bridge design pre the 1930s really only had to take in consideration those two forces, weight and gravity. That's really all they had to think about. But as these new building materials became available and more and more things got into the mix, they were like, you know what? We can design these bridges in a very different way. Not only are they going to look better, they're going to be way more cost effective. And we think they're even going to be safer. But as the designs got more complex, complex, as the building materials got more and more available, they didn't take into consideration the new forces that would be pushing against these new structures. One of the things that happened was the idea of the suspension bridge, right? We've seen suspension bridges. I've actually driven across a suspension bridge multiple times. And one time I got to drive across like the suspension bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge. It's amazing. But at the same time, as I'm driving across it, I'm like, this is crazy. (laughs) This is absolutely crazy. Now, the first really big suspension bridge was built in the 1930s, and it was called the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Now, what's really crazy about this bridge is, you know what? Well, let's take a look at this. Are you kidding me? Like, I remember the first time I saw that video, I was like, I didn't know that something like that could happen. And guess what? The designers of the bridge didn't think it could happen either. Because up to that point, the idea of the bridge was simple. Build a structure that was strong enough to support the weight that was on top, the weight that was on top of it against the force of gravity that was pulling down on it. And this bridge was designed and constructed taking those two forces into account. Can it support what's on it as gravity is pulling down on it? But what happened on November 7th, 1940, when this bridge finally came tumbling down only a couple of months after it was completed was the impact of a third force that was pushing against the structural integrity of the bridge and that was the wind. Now, the bridge designers knew that there was going to be wind. They were aware of the force of wind in the earth. They were not surprised that it got windy. But they didn't think that they needed to take the force of wind into the account of their design. Because up to that point, it had never been a major factor in bridge failure before. And it was the impact of this additional force that brought down a bridge that took years and millions of dollars to build in minutes. Now here's what's cool 
about force. The only thing that can stop a force or bring an object to rest is a equal or greater force. The Tacoma Narrows Bridge fell victim to a force that its structure could not equal. Can I just say that that video of the Tacoma Narrows Bridge flexing and bending and moving and rolling and eventually crumbling, if we're being honest, is a pretty good picture of what some of us would say our inner world has looked like over the past few months. And it's not because that we're surprised that there's chaos in the world. No, we knew that there were gonna be challenges. We knew that there's challenges in the world, but we just didn't design our lives to withstand those forces in the way that we're encountering them right now. And what's happening is some of us are feeling like we're imploding, right? And, and like the fear of what will happen and what if I get sick and what if someone I know gets sick and what if I lose my job and what if I never find another job and, and, and what, what if this civil unrest is, it doesn't get better, it gets worse. And, and the forces of culture have gotten stronger and our inner world is not built to stand against it. And honestly, I think that there was a day in our country where the cultural forces that were pushing against us as followers of Jesus were easily withstood. We knew at times it was going to get windy. We knew that there were going to be difficulty, but we didn't think that we needed to plan for the effect of the wind on our souls. So you could come to church every once in a while. You could listen to a podcast whenever you were feeling a little low. And you could make it. But now the winds of culture and the ways of the world are so strong. We find ourselves feeling the pressure of holding the minority opinion. And we feel the pressure of voices yelling at us that we should be very, very afraid about everything. And, and, and it's showing us that we have some soft spots in our inner life, some vulnerable areas in us where we've allowed the enemy to steal truth from us and sell us lies about who God really is and who we really are. Because in the middle of the sudden violent storm, it begins to feel like, the, like the, that what we have built might not be able to hold what's coming against it. But remember that the only thing that can stop a force is an equal or greater force. That's why in 2 Timothy it says, God will never give you a spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who gives you what? Mighty power. Mighty power, love, and self-control. And in Matthew 8, Jesus looks at this storm that looked as if it was stronger 
than what they could make it through. They looked louder and bigger and more aggressive than any other storm that they had seen. And in verse 26, it says that he stood up and rebuked the storm and said, be still. And instantly it became perfectly calm. And the disciples were astonished by this miracle and said to one another, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey his words, right? The storm encountered a greater force and what seemed like chaos became still. So again, I come back to the question that Jesus asked his disciples, why? Why are we gripped with fear? God is in control. God wanted me to tell someone watching this, take heart. Because the storm that you are in the middle of right now is about to encounter a greater force. God would never give us a spirit of fear. But the Holy Spirit, who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. And if you're watching this right now, and you're fearful, and you're fearful about getting sick, and fearful about losing your job, and fearful about what in the world is going on in our nation, and where are we heading, and fearful about your child's education because you're in the middle of it. Whatever has you gripped with fear, God sent me here to remind you that he is with you and he's given you a greater force, a greater power that can take the chaos that is keeping you up at night and keeping you freaking out all day and bring peace to that storm. What's happening around us should not affect what's happening in us. What is happening in us should affect what's happening around us. Let me say that again. What's happening around us should not affect what's happening in us. What's happening in us should affect what's happening around us. What's in us sets the tone for how we see what is happening around us. Stop staring at the waves and start speaking to them. Stop staring at the waves and start speaking to them. You don't have to be gripped with fear. God is in control. Let's pray. Jesus, we need an encounter with the greater force, the mighty power, the Holy Spirit. Lord, and I say that for every vulnerable place in me, every vulnerable place in the people that, that might be watching this today would be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. That as we gaze upon you, Lord, that you will deliver us of all evil. You will deliver us of our fear. Lord, you did not give us a spirit of fear. You'll never give us a spirit of fear. So where we have allowed fear to rest within us, God, rescue us. Allow that, that fear to encounter the greater force, the mighty power, the Holy Spirit, the love of God. And Lord, would you strengthen us with the ability to move forward and be those who set the tone that is around us and not affected by the tone that's around us. Jesus, we are 
desperate for you to come and to touch every area within us that feels weak because when you are weak, God, or excuse me, Lord, when we are weak, Lord, you are strong. In Jesus' name, amen.